Good evening and welcome to WDIY and the program on every Main Street. This program takes a deeper look into the Greater Lehigh Valley Chamber of Commerce and all of its affiliates. And tonight, we have a good program. We're going to take a look at the River Valley Waldorf School. And at this time, I would like to welcome Jennifer Sherman, the head of school, and Melanie Niamchura, who teaches eighth grade and is the pedagogical chair. Did I say that right? Absolutely. Welcome, Melanie. And welcome, Jennifer. Hello. So let's talk about the Waldorf School. And first of all, where are you? Where are you located? We're located in Upper uh, Black Eddy, Pennsylvania, uh-huh. right along the Delaware River. And tell us about the creator of the Waldorf system. Sure. So uh, Waldorf Education was founded by Rudolf Steiner in Stuttgart, Germany. And the very first Waldorf School, it's called the Waldorf School because it was started in the Waldorf Cigarette Factory. Interesting. (laughs) I didn't know that there were Waldorf cigarettes. And so how do you think they ended up making a school out of a cigarette factory? Well, he wanted to form an education. This was right about the time right after the First World War. The owner of the cigarette factory, Emil Molt, wanted to provide an education for the children of the workers of the cigarette factory that would help provide healing and, um, and a new generation of thinkers that would never create an awful war like that again. Interesting. And what separates the Waldorf method from what we might be used to? Jennifer? So uh, one thing we like to say is that it's a holistic education. Also, it's a healing education, as Melanie said. Part of the reason is to meet children, uh, realize their capacities, enrich them, um, heal places where students struggle, um, and really just educate the whole human being. So something that you hear often in a Waldorf school is it's an education that meets the head, heart, and hands. It meets the student's intellect. It meets their feeling life, their emotions. It's an inspiring education. And it's also a hands-on education where children really learn through experience, learn through getting their hands dirty, learn by taking things apart, putting them back together, and creating. I want to bring something up before we go any further. As you listen to what we're saying, this school, uh, regardless of whether or not you think you can uh, afford or have your child attend, there's an opportunity for everybody to be considered for admittance to Waldorf. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there's a price tag on the website, and we're working on making sure that our website, you know, is more inviting to people who might be turned off by that price tag. But we offer tuition assistance to meet all income levels uh, of students, and we have rolling admissions as well, so you can apply at any time. So what's a rolling admission? That means uh, some schools will open it up and you can only apply, you know, maybe during the month of January to be considered for the next school year. But uh, students can join us at any point in the year. So, you know, you could come and have a visit and have your child visit a classroom and fall in love with it and start in a couple months if they wanted to. So at the Waldorf School, how early can a student attend? Well, we have parent-child classes where parents and children attend together. And that's a very, very special program. And then they can begin attending on their own at um, 2.9 years. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) 2.9. And uh, the experience will last until when? Until eighth grade, when they're 13 or 14 years old. One of the interesting things about the Waldorf School in the Lehigh Valley is that they have a process they call looping. Melanie, can you explain that? 
Absolutely. So currently, I am the eighth grade teacher. I have a jumble of 13 and 14 year old individuals in my class with me, and I have been with them since our first grade year together. So as they grew and um, developed through this curriculum, I have been their teacher all along the way. So I know if you had trouble with fractions in fourth grade, And I know that this book really met you in sixth grade, and I can adapt and adjust my teaching based on these individuals that I know so well. Doing that, following a student from the beginning of the experience to the end, what are some of the things that you think are beyond what you just stated? What's a a deeper experience that you have with the families and the students? Exactly. It's it's that I know the families so well that we're all on this journey together. Not only have the children and I been together, but the parents and I have been together. And you you get to know the the family stories and, you know, the troubles they might have had and I have had more than one parent tell me that I'm the third parent in this relationship because I spend so much time with their child and uh, we know each other so well and we care about each other. And we care about the well-being of all of us. Do you ever find that you're also a psychologist? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. There's such an opportunity for social and emotional learning when you spend hours together. And your degree is in? My degree is in landscape architecture. (laughs) (laughs) This is why the United States is a world of opportunity. Yes, (laughs) it makes for a well-rounded person when you you come with a wealth of information from from another field. Mm -hmm. Jennifer, how about you? What's my background? I have an educational degree, but I also majored in music, and I studied operatic singing. Welcome to WDIY. (laughs) Um. What attracted you to the to the Waldorf system? That's a really great question. I was originally, I learned about it, uh, a family that I cared for their children started attending River Valley, actually, because I went to Raven College, so I was in the area as a college student. And then I started uh, digging into it and studied it for quite a few years. Uh, and just the more I learned about it and the experiences I had as a classroom teacher in a traditional public school setting, the more I saw that Waldorf really had the best practices, really met children the best way, and and really aligned with my thinking about how children learn. So I dug in and learned a lot about it myself. Um, I helped with an initiative in Utah to start a Waldorf Charter School, and then I came here to the Lehigh Valley to teach at uh, Circle of Seasons Charter School, and now I'm here at River Valley. So it's been a journey. Jennifer, you said you really learned about how children learn. Yeah. How do they learn? Well, you know, I went to teacher college and I learned about how children learn through using their bodies. I took a creative movement class as part of my education. Uh, you know, there was a heavy focus on experiential learning. There's a heavy focus on meeting children where they were where they were. And then when I actually got into the public school classroom, it's not what I was allowed to do. I actually wasn't afforded the creativity to meet students in that way um, or craft my lessons the way they needed to be. I was supposed to follow a pacing guide so that I was getting to the same endpoint as all of the other teachers at the same time and give the same assessment at the same time. And I discovered that's not how children learn best. Um, they really do learn by having a rich experience and being inspired and the teacher being a creative professional that really gets to weave a rich tapestry of learning to inspire children. You learn when you're inspired, you learn when you're motivated, and that's what Waldorf Education does. Melanie, would would it be safe to say that 
not every student necessarily winds up a grade like third grade at the same level. So Jennifer talked about hitting certain benchmarks, and it sounds like maybe benchmarks aren't as important. Mm -hmm. The timing can be flexible. Am I saying that correctly? Absolutely. Exactly. One of the benefits of this looping method, again, is that I know that I have the benefit of having had many years, and we will have many years to come together. And um, we have a wide range of, of readers, just like you have a wide range of learners in any area of learning. And we find that if we allow a student the time and the space to develop at their own rate, we all get there in the end. Jennifer, you talked about a holistic way to teach. How does that compare with what we're used to in a, in a public school setting? Not that either one is necessarily right or wrong, but explain the difference. Sure. It means a few different things, but um, the one approach is that, you know, we're not just looking at uh, the student's intellectual capacity. Certainly, we want them all to be readers, right? We want them all to be able to do the math that they need to do. But we're also looking at who they are as a person. So this is an education that really meets the soul of the child, really speaks to the, thing, the human capacities that we have and works to develop them so that we can all you know, use our inherent gifts and our um, abilities and, and grow and learn and you know, be the person we need to be in this society. It's really an education that is not just about the intellectual. It's an education that's about all of our human capacities. Can you give me a success story where a person might have come out and been a, a technician or a professor or both? Well, Walder students speak of all kinds of um, amazing things. I can give you a specific student story just to see, you know, how a child develops. So I had a child right. that I started with in first grade, um, difficult family life, you know, came with, a, came with a lot of stuff to school. School was a safe place. We had a years to form a really close relationship as I looped with that student through the years. I learned one of the struggles, even though uh, the child was really um, intellectually advanced as far as fine motor, real struggle. Handwriting couldn't be read at all, but you know, we did all kinds of different things. He wrote with his feet, he painted with his feet, he picked up gems with his feet. We did all kinds of movement exercises through the years. And then what really ended up making the difference was that we really strongly believe in music education and this child picked up the violin and the viola. And after a year of playing a stringed instrument, the handwriting was completely repaired. And so coming at, you know, a, a child and meeting them with all of these different things, because you never know what's going to meet them, right? Could be the painting, could be the writing with the feet, could be playing the viola. One of those things flips that switch either in the, you know, in the spirit of the child or in the brain that needs to be rewired. And then they work through that blockage and they can heal that area that they need to heal. So once again, this is a school that's open to a wide range of applicants. Uh, talk about the applicant process, if you will. So if a parent comes and says, I'd like to be my, my child to be considered at the Waldorf School, how does it start? Sure. The, the first thing you do is fill out an inquiry form, and you hear from our uh, admissions coordinator, uh, and they set up a time for the parent, and sometimes the child comes along to tour the school. You get a tour, you really get to, and when you get on our campus, you can feel it's a really special place. Um, and then if you have a great tour and you're like, yep, that's the place for me and my child, um, then you get to come and have a visit in a classroom. 
Um, and then after that, uh, then meet with the teacher. They get to talk to you a little bit about, you know, the school and what goes on there. Um, and then if it all goes well, you fill out an enrollment application and you get to begin. Melanie, you're also a mentor to other teachers. How does that work? Well, usually we meet weekly and we can discuss what might be coming up for them in the classroom with individual students or with a broader stroke over the curriculum for the moment. And then I will do observations in their classroom and provide feedback from what I've seen. Let's talk about the use of media and technology as it applies to to the students. What is the philosophy of the school, Jennifer? So you won't see uh, one-to-one at River Valley Walder School. You know, a lot of schools have moved in this direction that every child has an iPad or every child has a laptop. We don't do that. What we really do is we spend, especially those early years, um, making sure that students are building, you know, positive social skills, are building, you know, a love of learning, are having hands-on experiences and, uh, you know, educating their bodies and their minds. And then once they reach the middle school level, then they're learning about technology. They're learning not only uh, about the tools themselves, but also cyber civics. So they're learning how to translate that, you know, positive interaction into a digital world and what that means and what the implications are there for being a a social person in a digital realm. What are cyber civics? Cyber civics is a curriculum that we have that we offer in sixth, seventh, and eighth grades. We, it has modules such as how to be a good cyber citizen, um, how to understand advertising in, in a search results page or how to understand the terms and conditions and what what to look out for advertising. Really to think critically about your media diet, right? Got it. What do you think people would be surprised to learn about media consumption and their media diet? Speak to, to the parents. Well, one thing you might be surprised at if you didn't know about Waldorf education and you visited our school and learned about it is that we, you know, we have media consumption guidelines for our students. Um, and we really highly encourage younger students and their families to limit the media that they intake. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One is um, to really make sure that young children can focus on social interactions with each other and build that capacity um, in language and, you know, just social skills in general. And then another part of it is because um, often, you know, having a lot of visual quick images for a young child can program the brain to uh, work differently and can kind of squelch their imaginative capacities so that you see kids who consume more media, perhaps really sticking into those themes that they see on a TV show in their play, then not organically, you know, having their own imaginative play. And we really focus on preserving that capacity for imagination because we believe if you can keep that alive all the way through your education and into adulthood, that's how you that's how you bring change to society. That's how you have innovative ideas. Um, and so starting just with that young child and making sure that they have that imaginative capacity alive then and can carry it through their lives, that, that's actually one of the reasons why we limit media exposure with our students. How do you trust a student to verify information? In, in the, like a digital capacity? Yeah. So they take the, the civics class. Yeah. And now they're starting to enter into this realm and there's a lot to consume. A lot to sift through. Yes. Uh-huh. And so what would be 
a tip that you can give to parents to say, here's what you can do to make sure that what they're consuming is, is accurate or at least give them the opportunity to figure out the path to accuracy in media. So that's a really, you know, we teach our children to question, right? We teach our children to think critically. It's a large component of a Waldorf education is that you learn to observe carefully, ask questions, and form your own knowledge about things. We grow that capacity, and then it can be applied anywhere, including consumption of digital media. We're bombarded with so many pressions and so much information that is that can be entertainment uh, or clickbait, as they say. Parents oftentimes are overwhelmed with this type of content. What's a question that parents might give you about consumption of media? Parents are often looking for um, sources that can provide guidance as to what content is appropriate for what age. Personally, I recommend um, Common Sense Media as a trusted resource for for having already combed through all of the a lot of the popular content that's out there and gives parents a heads up for if there's violence or if there's drug use things to talk about tv good or bad <laughs> you know like i said we we really encourage families to focus on, you know, playing a board game or having your kid play outdoors because that's really, that's the work of childhood, right? It's not to sit in front of a television and consume. It's to create an experience. That's what informs our brains and our bodies to be successful adults later in life. So in that time when your brain is forming as a young child is such a precious time. So spending that time in front of a television It's not the best choice, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) There are better ways for a young child to spend their time. So I'm not going to say whether it's bad or good, but there are better ways for young children to spend time. And and time and a place. Time and a place. And then when you've given them the time to interact with the real world, to have real experiences with their peers and with adults, and then as they're getting older, hopefully they have some decision-making capacities and they're not just taking everything for face value. At the Waldorf School, what are you most proud of, Melanie? Oh, my my amazing students. We recently had um, a small festival where we had parents who are skilled professional performers perform. And then there was a student stage where the young people can come up and perform. And my heart was soaring out of my chest watching some of my students perform wonderful, wonderful pieces. Jennifer? I would say I, as an administrator, I mean, I'm proud of the students, but I'm really proud of my teachers too. Um, I think it's a really big point of pride. I have invested teachers. I have teachers who love what they do and really take up their work as a calling. And I think that's exceptional. We're about to wrap up. Once again, how do people if they're interested, if parents are interested in having their kids attend the school, uh, website address? Yeah, they can visit us at rivervalleyschool.org. On there, you can fill out an application. You can fill out an inquiry form. You can also find us on Facebook, and you can find us on Instagram, too. All that media. Yeah, for adults. <laughs> for adults. <laughs> we are talking with Melanie Nurmchura and Jennifer Sherman from the River Valley 
Waldorf School here in the Lehigh Valley. And we hope you've enjoyed this conversation. It's really been interesting. I'm Greg Caponia. This has been On Every Main Street, and you are listening to WDIY. Up next on WDIY 88.1 FM, news headlines from NPR, followed by our Monday night folk program, Folk Classics.